I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 119. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. We always need to be ready to hear something new when we read God's Word. This week's song, The God I Know by Love and the Outcome, led me to an area of Scripture because of the lyrics. But once I was there, a pretty profound word came to the surface. I had to stop pondering it for a while to stop and present you with some of what I found. But if you take the challenge, you may have some pondering of your own to do this week. Now, I want to jump out of the gates with a bite, a B-I-T-E. Each week on the podcast, I try to share at least one Bible interaction tool exercise with you. I call them bites because, of course, Bible interaction tool exercise starts with the letters B-I-T-E, but also because they help us take a bite out of Scripture. It's a pretty overwhelming book of literature that can sometimes be confusing, and when it's not confusing, it's just challenges the heck out of us with some of the stuff even that we do understand. So to take bites out of scripture is very helpful. Also to keep a daily habit of being in God's word. It should be your daily habit. It's good to mix up how you approach it, however, from time to time. So these bites should help you interact with God's word in new ways. So while God's word impacts you and changes the way you think and ultimately changes your life, you will keep it new and fresh and exciting. So I use this bite every week. And I mention it from time to time, but this week I was a little more dependent upon it than other weeks. And even though my favorite bite is reading in context, I use this bite that I'm getting ready to introduce you every day, just like I use the bite of context every day, whether I mention them or not. And this week's bite is to pray before picking up God's word to read it. Now I'm going to use pray, P-R-A-Y, as another acronym for you this week. Because when I pray, I'm praying for power, I'm praying for revelation, application, and yielding. So P-R-A-Y, when I pray, I'm praying for power, revelation, application, and yielding. And by the way, I know that you guys are listening to this podcast probably while you're doing something else. And so you can always find the show notes detailed, uh, almost like I take notes for you. And if you go to michellenizat.com forward slash 119, you will find the show notes for this week's episode. And so don't stop. Don't don't write down the power, revelation, application, and yielding while you're driving, okay? You can just check out the show notes later. So let's break that down a little bit. Power. 
I'm praying for power to understand the text because I have taken on the weighty responsibility of teacher. And so I pray for power to understand and communicate it so that you can understand and so that I also communicate it without error. I'm praying for power over the enemy of my soul. And he wants to keep me confused and he wants to keep me shallow in my understanding of God's will for my life through his word. He wants to do the same thing to you too. And I also pray for the power and the courage to do what the scripture is instructing me to do. And there's a lot of other things that I pray for. So power, you can fill in the blank, whatever kind of power you need as you open up God's word. I also pray for R for revelation and revelation occurs when something new is revealed to you supernaturally. In other words, I pray that God will peel back the layers of my former way of seeing what I'm reading to reveal something to me that he wants me to know. And sometimes that revelation comes after a lot of hard work. So word studies and repetition and discussing it with others. But I pray that God will reveal to me what he wants me to see that day. And sometimes it leads to application, which is a the next um, letter in our P-R-A-Y. But sometimes it's just information and And that's okay. So again, R is revelation. A is application. And when I pray before I dive into scripture, I ask for God's leading in how to apply what I'm reading to my life. And this goes hand in hand with praying for power and revelation. If I learn, for example, something new about love, I pray that God gives me a chance to apply that new knowledge to my life but that I have the support of the Holy Spirit, the power to do it in a way consistent with all other areas of scripture. And then sometimes the application is evident. Sometimes it's revealed later later in the day or in the week or even later than that. But God doesn't want a whole bunch of educated namesakes. You know, he wants active followers based on an understanding and an obedience to an application of the truth that we're reading. And then the why. So P for power, R for revelation, A for application, and Y for yielding. I pray that I'm open and yielded to to God's truth and not to my own comfort. To be yielded is to be surrendered to the way of another. And so if I'm going to be yielded to God and the truth he reveals in his word to me, it is to surrender our own way of doing things and giving over our way to his way. So cue the P part of pray again. This is where the power of the Holy Spirit living within us kicks in. Also part of yielding is trust. I trust my heavenly father. I trust that he has my best interest in mind. It does not always match our logical way of doing things. God's way definitely doesn't match the worldly way of doing things. It's good though, and it's true, and it's right. And I pray that I am yielded to God's direction as revealed in his word. So that's my everyday bite, my everyday Bible interaction tool. You can use the acronym pray to pray every day this week as you pick up God's word. I can promise you this is a prayer that God wants to answer. I could I could unpack it further in scripture that praying for power and revelation application and yielding is consistent with what he wants for us. And then since the entire 
Bible is full of descriptions of the God I know, I basically could have gone anywhere in God's word. And so that's where my prayer kicked in a little bit this week because I really wasn't sure where I wanted to go. And so the funny thing is, is I picked up God's word and I thought, you know, I I really like to try to to go in variety of places from scripture, although I am 100% yielded. If God wants me to stay in one place for three, four, five weeks, I'm going to do it. So I picked up some, um, I looked at some of the minor prophets and I read through those and nothing really jumped out at me. And then and so I jumped over to First John and bam, it hit me. This is where I knew I was going to stay. But what's funny is I read God's word and there were things that jumped out at me in those minor prophets that weren't related to what I wanted to teach. But I didn't make a mistake by, by reading some of the minor prophets in preparation for this week, even though that preparation didn't help in my um my job today as far as teaching and trying to link to this song uh, by love and the outcome. So I am going to uh, lead us to first John. It is, it just screams, this is the God I know. And uh, it also gives us some solid instructions and teaching. And so first John starts out with this. It says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. So like our song this week, John is declaring, this is the God I know. He is more than just a rescue. That's where it starts, not where it ends. Let freedom in. More than just a story in the sky. Where and why he's alive in every moment. And now that I know this love. Let's take a closer look at how John knew Jesus. He saw him with his own eyes. He touched him with his own hands. He heard his voice. And we may not be able to touch him with our own hands just yet, but we can see him and we can hear his voice. Not see him physically like John and them saw him, but see him um, at work in the world around us. And this is the power that I'm talking about. You can allow the Holy Spirit to teach you to see God in everyday life. And we've already talked about the power of testifying to what you see, telling your story. We've talked about that on episode 113, so you can check that out. But if we move on and read the next couple of verses, it says, This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, again, John is talking about a God he knows, one who he has actually seen. This is what I hope you hear from me each week. I have actually seen him at work in my life. I have experienced his goodness, his love, his guidance, his healing, his miracles, and his discipline in my life. I want you to know him too. But you can't just repeat what I've seen. You have to get to know him for yourself. You have to experience him yourself. And you start 
by reading his word. And as I mentioned before, I always pray and I always read in context. So when I knew that this song was leading me to 1 John, I read all of 1 John. We will, however, for this podcast, really stay in chapter 1 because of a word that jumped out at me. We first see it here in verse 3, the verse that I just read. John is proclaiming the God he knows so that we, the reader, may have fellowship with him, with him and the apostles. He says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's proclaiming to us the God he knows so that we can have fellowship with him and they have fellowship with the Father and his Son. In fact, the word for fellowship is used four times just in chapter 1 which led me to use another bite that I want to introduce this week, the Bible Interaction Tool exercise of completing a word study. Now, there are probably more detailed ways of doing word studies, but I prefer simple and straightforward, don't you? So my favorite tool for delving deeper in on a particular word is Bible Hub. B-I-B-L-E-H-U-B.com. And all I did is I looked up 1 John 1, 3 in BibleHub.com and I clicked on the I-N-T button. It stands for interlinear and this will break each word in that verse and reflect the original language. So in this case, it is the Greek. So the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. If when you click on the number above that word for koinonia, it will bring you to a summary screen and you will see a basic definition of the word and examples of how it's translated in different contexts, as well as some synonyms to assist in understanding the depths of the word. So BibleHub.com will also show you how many times it's used in scripture. And so I love studying words that are only used just a few times in scripture so you can really compare. It's hard to do the comparison that I'm getting ready to do when it's used 368 times, but you're welcome to do it, you know. Um, So koinonia is only used 19 times in the New Testament. So while it will take some effort, it's not, you know, 368 times. So you can track down all of those uses and then you can begin to get this deep, rich understanding of the word that will help you deepen your understanding of it here as you read and study in 1 John. Now, remember how I mentioned that revelation might take some work on your part? So with the work, though, comes those aha moments that will keep you engaged and excited about what God wants to show you through his word. So using my Bible Hub resource, I discover that koinonia implies a spiritual partnership, like this joint participation. It can also be translated in a way that shows contributory help or assistance, and like a sharing in communion. There's this intimacy and relationship when this word koinonia is used. It just makes me think of of the way that God keeps covenant with us. You know, covenant is always between two parties requiring that joint participation. So fellowship or koinonia is a bond for a united purpose. And so considering all of this, I thought about what the opposite of what that would look like. I think sometimes when you consider the opposite, it can bring clarity to the the concept that you are actually pondering. So when I thought of the opposite of all that, I, I came up with disunity, going it alone, 
entitlement. So disunity. I mean, obviously, there's a, a, a bond for united purpose is koinonia. So no unity, no united purpose. Going it alone, just not joining in with others, not having a spiritual partnership. This idea of entitlement, meaning I'm not here to participate with you and, and contribute to you and share in, your com- in communion with you. I'm really here to get something from you. That would be the opposite of koinonia. Um, Surface relationships would be the opposite of koinonia. Not just hanging out and chit-chatting about the weather and, you know, what you what you went shopping for recently or an upcoming vacation. That surface re- relationship, you could spend a lot of time doing that, but that's not that koinonia fellowship that we're talking about. Or if you have two agendas where um, the two parties are not in partnership, there's not a joint effort, but they're not united in the same purpose, but they have two agendas. So these would be examples of, of not of not koinonia in this way. I'm ashamed to say, though, that much of my life's relationships might reflect these qualities more than intimacy and spiritual partnership and bonded together in united purpose. In fact, these qualities are pretty prevalent in our society today. And there's a verse that calls Christians a peculiar people. And if we truly live in koinonia, we will definitely seem peculiar to the world around us. So then I chased down a few of the verses that also reference koinonia. And I'm going to give you three of the 19. But once you kind of see my pattern, you should be able to duplicate it. I'm going to link to the summary page in biblehub.com in the show notes so that you won't even get lost getting there. You can just click on the link. It'll open it up and you can see all 19 references. Now, Acts 2.42 was listed at the top. And I knew this was koinonia. I've actually studied this verse before using this reference. And in the verse, it says, believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, koinonia, breaking bread, and prayer. And the context of this verse is the early church. This verse basically discusses how members of the early church related to one another. Their koinonia, their fellowship, was an intimate bond which united them. Now, Romans 15, 26 says, From Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. Where's fellowship? Well, here koinonia was translated contribution. So the context of this verse is that the Gentile communities in Macedonia and Achaia, I'm probably saying that wrong, were in spiritual partnership. They were in koinonia with this Jewish community in Jerusalem. So they participated in this partnership through material blessings. And one thing that jumped out at me here was that they could have an intimate connection. They could have koinonia, even though they lived in different places. One would think intimacy requires proximity, but it just requires that element of spiritual partnership that includes joint participation and contributory help. First uh, Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The context is the opening of the first letter to the Corinthians with thanksgiving for them and declarations over them. But the truth here is evident. We have been called by God into this intimacy with Christ. God has called us into this closeness and spiritual partnership, this koinonia with Christ. 
So let's go back to our text in 1 John now that we have a clearer understanding of fellowship, of koinonia. The apostles proclaim, again, that the God they know, they're proclaiming the God they know, and when the reader receives it, they will have koinonia with John and the other apostles. Now, John and the other apostles, their koinonia is with the Father and Son. Of course, we too have been called into fellowship, into koinonia with Father and Son. How much richer is our fellowship, our spiritual partnership and intimacy with those who have fellowship with the God we know? We need to keep reading a bit because John further clarifies how we can know we have fellowship with God. So First John 1, 5 through 7, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, koinonia with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So my question to you here is where are you living what, what are the patterns of your life? What path are you on? Are you living in darkness or in the light? Now, one clue that you may be living in darkness is if you're hiding anything. When you don't tell that godly friend or family member what you're doing, you may be walking in darkness. If you're struggling to have fellowship with other believers, take a moment to pray. Pray for power and revelation and application and a yielded spirit. And then keep reading. If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Allow God to cleanse you. Be yielded to his instructions here. Koinonia with him and others is on the other side of that obedience. So what's next? We'll read all of 1 John and then focus in on chapter 1. Try looking at the word study for Koinonia in BibleHub.com. Track down some of the, the more of the references that are listed there to deepen your understanding of this Greek word. Don't forget to pray each time you pick up God's word. Consider referencing that acronym that we went over today, P-R-A-Y, to ask God for power, revelation, application, and a yielded spirit. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me directly, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to C from North Carolina, Tammy from Texas, Linda from somewhere in the U.S., Claire from Wisconsin, Leah from North Carolina, Julia from Illinois, Dawn from Virginia, Kathy from India, Brandy from Colorado, Renee from Ontario, Canada, and Diana from Washington. These are my newest subscribers to my website, welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week, and in that email, you will get a memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out, and you'll get an email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources that I create from time to time. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. And don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And while you're there, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? This not only encourages me, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, 
I will take the time to thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Great Is Our God by Plum. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 119. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.